0: Welcome to the Brilliant Minds podcast. Brilliant Minds is a two-day thought leadership summit where we gather the most innovative international luminaries, global decision makers, and young emerging talents of our time to discuss the future in the world's creative capital, Stockholm, Sweden. Created in 2015 by Ash Nori, founder of At Night Management and Spotify's founder, Daniel Ek, Brilliant Minds and Symposium Stockholm provides a platform and week-long festival for creative individuals with powerful ideas to come together and interact with a global community of leaders at the intersection of arts and technology. The theme for this year's Brilliant Minds was collaborative creativity. The notion that great ideas and great business happens in between. In between tech and music, fashion and music, innovation and art, in between American and European cultures. In the marriage of the old and the new way of doing things, magic happens. My name is Natalia Brzezinski, and as the CEO of Brilliant Minds and Symposium Stockholm, I'm so happy to say that we're now sharing a lot of our content from the event via this podcast. What you're about to listen to are a few of the speakers that spoke at Brilliant Minds in June. Once upon a time, in 1971 to be correct, there was an artist who was named the musical director and conductor of the Academy Award ceremony. What was so special was that he was the first African-American ever to be appointed for this position. But the success story doesn't end there. Being the most Grammy-nominated artist in history, named as one of the most influential jazz musicians of the 20th century, inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and professorship of African-American music at Harvard University, this artist belongs to the absolute top in the music industry. He stands alone. His son is also a recognized music and video producer who currently runs an amazing startup called WeMash that allows creators and fans to remix audiovisual content. He is currently judging Swedish Idol. And like me, he's also an American sweetophile. <laughs> Together, Quincy Jones and his son, QD3, unveiled a lifetime in music at Brilliant Minds. This next talk is not to be missed. It will change the way you look at music and life.
1: in fact back. back today. Y'all <laughs> <laughs> today.
2: Thank you.: So um, it's an honor to be here. You know, I actually grew up in Sweden. Um, my mother is Swedish, and uh, which shows you how smart he is. <laughs> and so I just wanted to thank Daniel, uh, Natalia and Ash for doing this because it's, it's, it's much needed, and we'll give them a nice round of applause for putting this together. Is Daniel here. Yeah, he's be here somewhere. Where's Daniel? I've been hearing about him, man. So, himura, Papa. Wheat <laughs> <laughs> bra. <laughs> yeah, so you actually learned a lot of Swedish when you were here touring the folk parks. Can you talk a little oh, bit about that? Well, I was here when I was 18 years old
1: I first came here. And uh, you'll never forget it. That's a long time, man.
2: When you were talking to the audiences in the folk parks,
1: you oh, learned a little bit. Oh, my God, yeah. yeah. It was funny because back to the Little, little Babs, Opera Swenson was teaching me uh, Swedish. And so we were stranded over here with our band, you know, and 33 people, mothers and babies and dogs and everything. And we were stranded in Europe for 10 months. And so Seymour Osteval, who was the head of the folk parks back then, he said, "I, I, I can handle you for a month, you know, and he put us in every folk park in Sweden. Lensherping, Norsherping, Eskostuna, Umeå, Mammo, Kristina (laughs) Woo! It was incredible. So I told her I would love to do some, we'd play a concert first and we'd go to like a taxi dance, you know. The 800 girls have their purses on the stage and the guys have to pay to dance with them. And so I said I'd like to do some comedy while I'm here, so could you teach me something? I'd like to ask him. how do you say your feet, are your feet cold in Swedish? And she said, (laughs) Frizani ampertina. I said, Great, I can do that. So I got on the stage. I couldn't remember the last word, (laughs) Frizani ampertina. So all I could think of was feet. (laughs) (laughs) Wrong. (laughs) That didn't work. She said, Do you know what you're saying out there? I said, Yeah, you taught me, you know, please. She said, But they're laughing at you. I said, They're laughing, though. She said, They're laughing at you. <laughs> oh, it was great though. I had a good time learning yep. Sweden. We do the all the Hey <laughs> And I was lucky enough to have met uh when I first came here, uh, from Everett Taub and Sinber Thiel Taub. You know everybody here knows him, right? Uh, and he was the curator of of, a, of a Swedish folk music and he introduced me to all of those great, the best folk music I've ever heard in my life, you know. The best bebop.
2: It was great. The experience is just unforgettable. Yeah. So you, I mean, you have a deep history with Sweden. Like how did that start? Oh, like 20 years
1: before I was even born, you were here. Right. Well, we came. You were born in 68. 68, yeah. Yeah, we came in 53. Yeah. That's
2: crazy. Yeah,
1: and Almost it was plenty. amazing. 18 years old with Lionel Hampton's band. We played Oslo first, and um, we got a train over here, and we got to Sweden on a baggage truck with Simon Brim's band. That's where I first met Little Babs. And uh, Oki Persson, Arne Damneris, Lars Goline. Igel Johansson from Norway. It was unbelievable. Bink Dani my brother. When up there so, losing him was very difficult. You know,
2: the beautiful, beautiful man. So with only three, I mean, with only nine million people, you know, here living here, um, we're. I believe Sweden is the third largest exporter of music in the world, and per capita, I would have to think we're number one, right? Oh yeah. And um, and I'm a, a judge on Idol here, and we've toured the whole country and seen so much talent, and it's. Uncanny. I mean, it's, it's just it's incredible, ridiculous, man. What, what do you? Th- what, how do you think it became so musical here? Well, oh, I th- I th- the truth. I think a lot of it had to
1: do with the midnight sun. Really? It do? But man, I've never seen anything like that in my life. I remember we were trying to sneak out to do that first record session we did with Clifford Brown, Art Farmer, and the Swedish All Stars, and Lionel didn't want Hampton didn't want us to do that, so he had his his roadie watching us, George, whatever his name was. And we thought we could go down the fire escape at 1 o'clock in the morning and get away with it, you know. We got in the fire escape and the sun came out at 1 o'clock in the morning, the midnight sun. And then we go to, to lunch in the wintertime at 2 o'clock and come out at 3.30 or 4.30 and bla- it's black, you know. Woo. Thank God for the system will it. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: I've never seen anything like that in my life. But it know. seems like they also have a very organic... An honest connection to black music. Oh, my you God. It's beyond. But that folk
1: music. It, 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 everybody here no Dirty Loops? They don't play. They do not play. But those kids are something. They got to be like their early 20s or something. You know They got jazz down. They take uh, Justin Bieber's Baby and put all the card substitutions in there. And that kid, can, the leader can sing. He sounded like Stevie Wonder, man. Yeah. Unbelievable.
2: That's crazy. That little
1: boy last night was great, too. Guitar player.
2: Yeah. What's his name? Uh, I think his name was Kobe. Unbelievable yeah. singer and guitar player. Anybody Hang here
1: know him, Kobe? He's 23 years old.
2: Yeah. So you've been so prolific in so many different areas of entertainment, and you hit music, Frank Sinatra and Michael Jackson, and all the jazz greats. Then went into film with *Color Purple* and TV with the *Fresh Prince* show. Like you hit the top mark in each category. Um, Only s- way to roll. <laughs> and it inspired a lot of other people to do the same thing. You kind of set the mold for the multi-platform entertainment landscape in a lot of ways. Thank you, Snoopy. And um, so what do you think it is that prepared you for that journey? Well, I, I, we lost our my, my real
1: brother in Chicago. He was a year younger than I was. and uh, We lost our mother when we were seven years old. She was a graduate of Boston University, 12 languages, all of that. But she had dementia precox. And so at seven, we were like deserted. They took her away to this mental home. And we were just like street rats in Chicago. And Chicago mm-hmm. in the 30s was no joke. I mean, I, when I got out of, out of Chicago, I looked at Harlem and Compton like it was Boys Town. There's nothing compared to Chicago. Chicago's got something in the water that just breeds gangsters, man. Rahm Emanuel, all of them. It's just unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs> unbelievable. I was in the White House with him, with the Clintons. I was <laughs> in eight years with the Clintons and produced the uh, inauguration, the millennium, and all that stuff, and so he was a pain in the booty, right? It was all good, man. As long as it turns out okay, it's fine. You know. But
2: how were you able to master so many different verticals? Like Inquisitiveness. Really? Loathing. I want to know how
1: everything works, man. I always have. How does it work You know, from the ground up? How does it start? And what, everything you you do, I've always, and I've taught, tried to teach my kids that too, always have humility with your creativity and grace with your success. Because people get so carried away today, man, with one hit record and they go <laughs> crazy, you know. Get $3, you know, and they like like, the, the, oh, it's ridiculous, <laughs> you know. Uh, and that's not the way you roll, you know, because it's one thing to get to number one, man, staying there is something else. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's a serious challenge, you know. Anyway, it's a, I think the psychology goes back to being humble with your creativity and grace with your success, and so you gotta do that. It's like giving back, and I, my favorite phrase for life is love, laugh, live, and give, you know. Not expecting anything in return for giving. I've been on the case of the children of the world for the last, what, 70 years, 60, 70 years, and I love it, because yeah. I love my own kids.
2: <laughs> Kids. Just yeah, right back at you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so growing up, speaking of that, you know, you always um, talk That's a lot. That's boring. What's growing that? up. Yeah.
1: <laughs> you know Johnny Mandel? Anybody here know Johnny Mandel? He wrote Shadow of Your Smile and Emily. I mean, one of the best orchestrators and, and composers in, in jazz history. And we were friends since we were teenagers. He was with bass, called Bases Band. I was with Lionel Hampton. And he called me last uh, month and he just turned 91. And he said, Q, we're going to be the first two dudes to go from infancy to Alzheimer's and bypass grown up. Because being, <laughs> being grown up is boring, I'm telling you.
2: Well, before I was grown up, <laughs> you used to always talk a lot to, to, to me and the rest of the kids about sort of learning the science, and then you can get creative. Can you talk a little bit about that balance? Well,
1: it's all about left and the right brain, you know. Yep. And one is uh, emotion, which you don't have to practice or anything. It is all, that's natural. That's God-given. And the other one is intellect, and that's the, you have to learn the science of what you're doing. You have to. I don't care what it is. You have to learn the science. How does it work? Because you, you can't break the rules until you learn them, learn the rules. Mm-hmm. And that's, that, that's when you can really break them. It's when you really know your craft, core skill. You can break the rules, like Stravinsky did, like Revelle, a lot of people, you know. Charlie Parker, come on.
2: Right. So, I'm going to ask a, a risky question right now, but do you think that talent is handed down through genetics? <laughs> <laughs> Damn right. <laughs>
1: no, and yeah. I think there's a lot of, uh, the genetics have a lot to do with it, you know. Yeah? Yeah. Because your
2: mother was the first black woman that went to Boston University. That's right.
1: And, so and, my, and, and my grandmother was uh, from Charleston, South Carolina. She was the biggest black activist in 1895. And she had the most property and everything as an ex-slave, you know. And she sold her property, amazing property in South Carolina, Charleston, and sent my aunts and my father to Rutgers University in uh, Jersey. And boy, that was a wise decision. My father was a master carpenter,
2: you know, master. And she spoke six languages or something? Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And he used to tell us every day, every day, my brother and I, once the task has just begun, never leave it till it's done. Be the labor, great or small, do it well or not at all. <laughs> Forget it. And, I, and that stuck, that sticks, man. I mean, every day. We also, Ray Charles and I used to say back in the 40s, in Seattle, because they had a lot of soldiers from the south at Fort Lewis and Fort Lawton. So every day we used to say together, not one drop of my self worth depends on your acceptance of me, because you can't be that vulnerable. Not back then, the thirties and forties. Not important. Fifties, ch- man. Are you yeah. kidding? Unbelievable. But you I'm, have and America's yeah. just getting o- trying to get over that that hi- part of their history because it was terrible, terrible, man. Yeah. And we experienced it, you know, yeah. the thirties, forties, and fifties. The fifties, the sixties. when we went to the first time I worked with Frank Sinatra. Uh, he was so racist there, you can't believe it. And he, I came in and, and Keely Smith's brother said, The old man wants to see you over there with the band. The Basie's band was there, 18 musicians near the slot machines and 18 mafia goombas like that. <laughs> <laughs> and he put a 75 year old bald headed triple creation with me. That's how I learned to speak triple creation. That's when Yugoslavia was up with Tito. And man, it was a trip because Sammy Davis, Alina Horn, Belafonte, they used to work in a big room for 17,000 as the stars. But they had to eat in the kitchen, they couldn't go in the casino, and they had to sleep in the black hotels across town. And Frank said, we're not gonna do that. Right. He, after he put a bodyguard with each one of us, he said, if any one of them even looks at any of these guys funny, break both of their damn legs. <laughs> Frank right. was tough boy. Yeah. He was tough, but Bob, what a great friend.
2: Um, so so you have an incredible work ethic, work ethic, and I mean, I've never seen anything like it. I mean, at no point in my life have I ever been able to hang with you 24-7 and, <laughs> and keep up. It's it's crazy, right? He travels three times a week and nothing changes. He's always energetic, always curious, and always on point. Where did that come from? And what is I in your know. water? probably you know? comes
1: from not having a mother.
2: <laughs> okay.
1: You know, really, you know, yeah. Because after, after a while, I said, if I don't have a mother, because we were street rats in the Depression, and South side of Chicago, man, in the 30s, are you kidding? Man, it was, I've got, a, I've got a, a mark here, still here since seven years old. I went to the wrong street when I was seven years old. And Chicago's very tribal. If you don't know, there's like Af- almost African calls or signals with the gangs there. And if you don't know it, you go in that part of town, they will beat your butt, you know. And man, I went to the wrong side of town. And... Five guys grabbed me, and they took a switchblade knife and nailed my hand to the fence, stuck an ice pick in this right in my head. (laughs) I thought I was dying, man. That that city's
2: fierce. So you just wanted to get out, and then the hell out. That's right, man. It's unbelievable. Anyway, it's all good now. And on the whole other end of the spectrum, I remember when I was like 11 or 12 years old, you took me and Michael Jackson up to um, Silicon Valley, and we went to the Palo Alto Research Center and exactly. Atari. With, with Alan Kay. Exactly. And yeah. it was before computers were mainstream at all. I thought and he was
1: smoking Kool-Aid when he told me about, it. man, computer, yeah. man, get out of it. Because this is the guy, this friend of mine, he's created Mac 1 and Mac 2, overlapping windows, icons, all that stuff. That's Alan Kay. Now, I've been on the board for MIT now for 10 years with the most incredible guys, File and Dean Kamen, Nick Raponte, and Marvin Minsky, most important, who's the co-founder of Artificial Intelligence with Patrick Swaggarty. And he is amazing, man. I mean, absolutely amazing, and he's also the curator of nanotechnology, you know. And we're dealing with silicone and microchips right now, and we're going from that, which they call dinosaur stuff, <laughs> And we're going from that to carbon and hydrogen atoms, which is nuclear. And in six years, a thousand-dollar nanotechnology computer will be capable of one trillion transactions a second.
2: And that's going to turn this world upside down. And nobody can stop it. No way. Another thing is you're on the – a lot of people don't know this, but you're on the board of MIT. That's right. Ten years, yeah. yeah. They are the smartest guys, and you can't believe it, you know. Yeah. The
1: dean came on, man. He, came, he first showed me that a segment. I said, "Man, what are you talking about?" Yeah. Everybody in the world's got one. Now they got one without the top. You know, it's just yep. what are they call the hoverboards.
2: Yep. <laughs> but I remember we were <laughs> we were at Disneyland one time. I was probably 10 years old or something, and they had this like parade where there was a bunch of like cars and stuff with a bunch of lights on it, and they were all moving in sync with music. And he 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 turned to me and he said, you know. He said, all this stuff is run by something called a computer, right? <laughs> and he said, if you learn how to work computers, one day computers will rule the world. And that's probably the best advice I ever got, you know. Today I have a startup that's backed by Andreessen Horowitz, and it was all fueled sort of by that notion because you were hip to it so early. Like, how did you know? That's right. It wasn't even... I, well, I thought
1: Alan was... Uh, really, I told him I thought he was smoking Kool-Aid. Yeah. I was like, you know, come on now. You kept computer, 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 computer. Please, that thing came out, man, within... 11
2: months, everybody on the planet had a computer and a phone. You've always also been involved in music technology, like you were oh, from the, the very fir- beginning. The first synthesizer from yeah. Robert Moog, and he came to me and he said,
1: well this was way back, oh God, 70s or something. And he said, why aren't the brothers playing my instrument, the Moog the Mo synthesizer? <laughs> I said, Bob, because it, creates a sonic a sound and we have to sculpt it into a sine wave or a sawtooth you know but you know what it does not bend and if it doesn't bend a brother ain't gonna play it <laughs> it's got, he can't get funky if he can't it doesn't bend so he came up with a portamento and a pitch bender and stevie did four grammy multi-platinum albums in a row with that you know and i know the guys told him and i saw roger there other night they pulled him into that you know but it's the evolution, if you're around long enough to see them, is really fascinating. You know, to see it, boom, gong, gong, gong. Yep. And then to see the Swedes kicking booty. I mean, because Max Martin, all those guys yeah. are my brothers, you know. Yep. George Samuelson. Yep. Incredible people, man. Yep. Can I say? You know, Swedes got their stuff together, yep. <laughs> got their wheat together. Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but they don't play it's funny, you and me always debate about, you know, whether sampling is real music and all that stuff. But actually, the first time I ever saw a sampler was the emulator one. Right. Was when you were working on Thriller on PYT. They had a, a monkey sample yes. that they played a melody yeah. with. Yeah. I mean. You remember that? Yeah. <laughs> but you were on the forefront of that also, you know. Yeah. That's crazy. <laughs> Michael Boddicker. Smart cookie, boy. <laughs> <laughs> Even
1: if he wasn't my son, I'd want to be his best friend. <laughs> I mean it. I mean it. Just got... Cause he'd been from everywhere, the same kind of ch- ch- past I had, you know. He wanted to be a gangster first to find out how it all works, you know. Then he cleaned up his act, you know, went to yeah. vegetarian, and <laughs> no, 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 no more gangster. Yeah, I
2: grew up in southern Stockholm, not too far from Danlik. Pure uh, Dan gangster. Leic. <laughs> <laughs> and well, they had
1: to do a film, to anti-gangster
2: film. What was S- the name of it? Stockholm's not. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you That's know that picture? Yeah, that's actually how I got my start. It was the first song I ever wrote in my life was the theme of that movie, and I acted in it because they wanted people who were f- part of the real scene, and and we just stumbled upon a hit right, o- right away. <laughs> yep. So thank you, Sweden. Yep. Another thing you've always um, instilled in all of us growing up was to have a bigger purpose behind what we do. Like, if you're doing something and you have a higher purpose or an underlying mission that can help other people, if you run into hard times, you're going to have more power to push through because you know you're carrying more weight, and it's more rewarding that way, and you were 100% right, you know? Everything I do, from documentaries to music, I would pick artists like Tupac or Ice Cube who are trying to change the community or do documentaries that can build a bridge that can help other people or whatever it may be. Um, what, why is that so important to you and how, how how did you learn that? I came from a bebop era, you know,
1: and the bebop's a strange animal. Anybody ever wonder why we can't, the names exist like bebop, doo-wop, and hip-hop? Nobody ever conferred or asked permission to do that. It's just a natural result of the sociological climate in America, racial. and. You didn't have a choice, you know. The big, out of the big bands came, and I was lucky enough to have gone through all of it, you know. Big bands. Because the beboppers wanted to revolutionize music, so they did not have to be entertainers. I used to watch Charlie Parker next to the jukebox at Jim and Andy's. listen to Stravinsky, country western, everything. And they didn't want to be rolling the eyes and dancing and entertaining. They wanted to be pure artists. And they, they accomplished that, but they, overdid it and it went over the heads of the public and the public couldn't, didn't know how to con- conceive it, you know. And so they went to, to ryth- Rhythm and Blues, folk music and all that rock and roll. Because fu- rock and roll is a result of the, the white uh, population doing what Rhythm and Blues was about all the time. They thought it was new, <laughs> it was really old. Uh, blues from Mississippi and jazz from New Orleans, you know. It's just, fat, our, our history is fascinating, but you know our biggest problem? We're the only country in the world, along with Germany, that does not have a minister of culture. Sweden has a minister of culture, don't they? But that's just pitiful to not have minister of culture. And the kids, I talk to all of my rapper friends and Ludacris and Drake and Common, and Dr. Drake, all of them. And they do not know where all of this stuff comes from. They think the breakdance came from Bronx. That's wrong. It came from Brazil and was the influence of Angola and the, and the voodoo, Macumba. Uh, it started Caiparero in Brazil. I've been going there 63 years, you know, and it's no joke. But, I don't know, it always has just fascinated me to get the information on how it started and where did it come from and how it came together, and it's, it's really fascinating, I was always curious. At 13, I was reading uh, Rumi, Khalil Shibran, Omar Khayyam uh, Koran, <laughs> Uh, Dianetics with Ron Hubbard, who eventually became Scientology. It's, it's, looking back is amazing. I stopped drinking. Uh, I don't know I'm talking a lot, of it, but I stopped drinking uh, 15 months ago, 16 months ago. Yeah. Now I have to settle for this now <laughs> H2O. <laughs> and uh, it's amazing. I lost 60 pounds. But I've got 20 more to lose and 15 more to lose, and I've never felt so creative in my life as now. It's just like a 19-year-old soul, you know. Unbelievable. Mm-hmm. So I'm glad I did it. Yeah. <laughs> glad I did it, and it's just yep. a whole new perspective on life. You know, it's just amazing. Well, it
2: definitely shows. Definitely yeah. shows. Yeah. And they
1: promised me uh, a. Here, right? I go to Karolinski here. You know that. (laughs) Karolinski with all the Nobel doctors, Thomas Olson, all those great guys. I'm going to see them this time too. They are so smart. They are also musicians and they have a big band. I send them all my big band arrangements Midnight Song will never set, all that stuff. And uh, it's just great. They are wonderful people. I've learned so much about the human body. Whoo! Because walking the door, they say, there are no 250 pound 80 year olds. You get it real quick, yeah. you know. But you always have to be inquisitive and wonder, how does it happen, how does it work, you know, that's all. I guess I'm getting ready to do a tour next, uh, in the next two months with uh, Frank Gehry, the architect. Yeah. And he's like one of my close friends. He's a Pisces too, both Pisces. And he always tells me, Quincy, if architecture is frozen music, the music must be liquid architecture, and as mm-hmm. an as an orchestrator, he's right. Because when you're dealing with woodwinds, brass, and strings and percussion of Symphony Orchestra, it is. It's like it's like it's like emotional architecture. It really is. Yeah. Think about how you've voiced the strings with the woodwinds and all that stuff. I don't know. I just my nosiness has led me into some wonderfully Gems. beautiful channels that go in life. You know open the door just being nosy and working hard to get your information because you got to work before you get successful that's for sure yeah you can't get around from that
2: so we got time for one more question um that went that fast yeah man (laughs) so um having done pretty much everything there is to do in entertainment at least to, to, to my eyes, what, what excites you these days? Like, what are you excited Everything, about? Everything, man. We do it right. As we sit here now, I'm doing 10 movies.
1: The most favorite movies in the world, we're doing Alexander Pushkin, the story of Alexander Pushkin from, from Russia. Because people don't know, he's a black Ethiopian. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, the church took his great great grandfather uh, from Ethiopia. They kept, he was from a royal family, he was a prince. And then the the Russians took him back from the Turks, made the the Queen of Poland his godmother, and the Tsar of Russia his godfather. So that was Pushkin's great-great-grandfather. And then four generations later, he comes this little short guy that looks like Prince, with long fingernails to the greatest poet. And like Goethe, Dante, Shakespeare, he was the curator of the Russian culture. Eugene Jannegan and the Russians were speaking French. He taught them how to speak Russian. <laughs> it's astounding. His, his, I been a history junkie. You know, you love history, don't you? Don't you? Yeah, it's great. Nothing like it.
2: Yep. Turned they, it into You have to
1: work to learn what it's about, you know. Because <laughs> yep. it's complicated, man. It still is, man. It's worse now than it ever was. Because you know? yep. I was in Aleppo, Damascus, Baghdad, Iran when I was 18 years old. Karachi, Pakistan. All of it. And you learn, and I learned 26 languages, you know, it's astounding. You got to go to know. You got to go. I can't, I, I try to explain Sweden to all of my friends, like my team too, like Adam Fell, all the guys, you know. And they, they, they don't get it until they get here, and I love to live it through them. I, I watch him when he gets it. They all look like Linda Blair, you know. <laughs> Yeah. Where did this city come from? Where did this country come from? It's been here all the time, man, longer than yours. <laughs> yeah. And it's astounding, you know. Because yeah. you, you they can't believe it the first time. I felt the same way, you know. Yeah. I was like, what is going on here, man? And I thought all of the top jazz musicians would be in Italy and France and Spain. Wrong. Man, we got, I told you, we got off of that train from Oslo. Las Goli, Oni Damneris, okay, On the, Simon Brim unbelievable. I couldn't believe it. They were playing on a baggage cart at the train station. <laughs> it's unbelievable. But it's beautiful. And it's been... Yeah. Bengtani Valen is like my blood brother. I just miss him, miss him so much. I'm so sorry he's... But well, he's with us, so yep. He's a beautiful man. Yep.
2: Well, time is up, but uh, yeah. to me, you're the definition of a brilliant mind, and <laughs> thank you for doing this, man. Love you. you. Yeah, love you. Uh, Thank but-